Um, when I was there, I was reflecting on, on the road to Emmaus that Richard Thomas spoke on last week. And there were two things that really, really hit me that were just living with me. One was, that's the greatest day in history. We sing the song, greatest day in history. We, we celebrate, oh happy days, this great day when Jesus came to life. And yet a huge part of it was spent walking alongside two disciples, one we know the name of, one we don't know the name of. And basically, two disciples who had lost hope. And he walked with them. And he spent time with them on that day. The day when he conquered sin and death, he spent time with those who were kind of disheartened. And he walked with them and revealed himself to them. And I just love that statement it is when they said, we had hoped. And that actually Jesus took the time to meet them at that place and restore hope. And I just felt almost a prophetic thing that that is something that God is doing in the church and this nation right now. And with individuals and with each of us, there are moments where he's meeting with us and giving us hope. And we've been doing this series looking at unsung heroes in the Bible. And today I'm going to look at Ananias and uh, I will unpack that. But before that, me and Livingston yesterday had to go down to Cardiff um, Central Library for an interview that Livingston had and just beforehand there was a realisation that some documents needed uploading and other bits and pieces and when we got to the library there's that moment that doors open and there's that moment of panic we've got to get everything working and, and, and we met a man called Will and Will works for the, the library but to be honest he was an absolute godsend he was outstanding. He, was, he couldn't have got done more for us. He was just the right person at the right time in the right situation. And was just amazing. And was so, so helpful and so peaceful and so patient. And he even used his own memory stick to make things work for us. He just was phenomenal, wasn't it, Livingston? And, and he just sat there thinking... Both of us have said, praise God, praise God for Will. It was just great. And it was so funny, is we're looking at unsung heroes, thinking there are moments you meet people that just makes you think, do you know what? God, humanity is made in the image of God. It may be broken, but every now and then you see that godly character in different people. We should have asked him if he was a believer, really, because I think he, but we had some great conversations with him, and it was really good. But I want to talk about knowing the season. It's interesting, when we look at the story today, you see someone who suddenly has to realise that a season has changed. And because the season's changed, she's got to act in a different way. You know, at the moment, autumn watch is on. I always love, it used to just be spring watch. It used to just be spring watch, you watch spring watch. But now they've got autumn watch. I bet they've got winter watch somewhere as well. But autumn watch. And actually, it's fascinating autumn because it is the crossover. Just like spring, to be honest, they're both exactly the same. <laughs> but actually, this time it's the birds that have been here for the summer are leaving and the winter birds are coming. And so it's, it's kind of a bit more brown than spring is, but it's kind of interesting. There's, it's just seeing all the sadly, and you know the season has changed. This morning it was very odd because I kind of went, I was preaching over in the Abitridu, and as preaching, I was aware. I could hear it sound like a downpour, but when I was driving back over the mountain, it felt like it snowed. I was driving down the hill, and it was just like thick, 
I must have been hail or something, but it was just like, it was just white. Everything was white. And it's like, hold on a second, I kind of left this morning and it was clearly autumn and I feel like I'm now in winter. It's just bizarre, so I don't know what had happened. There must have been a big hailstorm or something had taken place. But knowing the seasons that we're in, you know, when you know a season, it's when God says something has changed. And actually, it takes a while for us to recognise that something has changed. When things are different, it takes us a little while to realise we've got to change our wardrobe. We've got to change what we're wearing. It's interesting, in Abitur, they've got this couple who've just come from Brazil. And they've kind of turned up from Brazil and they've had to be taken shopping. Because actually, they've kind of come into Wales and they brought a Brazilian wardrobe to Wales and very quickly have realised you're going to have to get some warmer clothes right now. It's not quite the same climate. And so often when God moves, it takes us a while sometimes to realise things have changed. It's not the same as it was. It's not the same culture. It's not the same climate. Something is different. And, and for us, we've kind of lived in this strange world which for two years we were kind of locked away. And actually, one of the things I want to commend every church I go around, I want to commend you, is every church that still exists has done well. You know, actually, it's always a sense of, actually, you've got through that season, you've done well, but it's now a different season. We're not in lockdown anymore. It took us a while to realise that. You know, actually, the first time you were told you could go into something and, and, and you weren't under COVID restrictions, it took a while. It took a while to, to go to shake hands with people. It took a while. It just took us a while to be back with humanity. It was exhausting. Like, I didn't realise we were so used to being on your own that suddenly being with lots of people, you realise I'm exhausted. Suddenly meeting people and being in crowds again. And I tell you, it was like, you know, this time last year, just as the home, as the Autumn Internationals were starting, me and Liz went down to a match. And it was the first time you were in a big crowd in Cardiff for two years. And it was really not nice going into the stadium. And still we had COVID restrictions. And, and it was just like you'd got used to one season. And it took a while to realise a new season had come into effect. Today, for this character Ananias we're going to look at, he's got to realise a season has changed. Something is different. And that different is Saul. Saul, we first introduced to Saul, who we know as Paul. Saul, he, <laughs> put it bluntly, when he was working with the, the Jews, he was Saul. When he was working with the Gentiles, he was Paul. It's, you know, it's quite, his name doesn't change. It's just one is a Hebrew name, one is a Gentile name. And it just worked out best. He, he was a missional man. He found every means to reach people. But when we first introduced to him, it's at the stoning of Stephen. And some of you would have heard me say this before, but there's Stephen, who is this mighty man of God. This man we introduced in, in Acts as a man full of the Spirit, loved by the church and full of wisdom. And he preaches a great theological sermon. He's got his great knowledge of God. He's, he's got his great truth. And there, he's about to be stoned to death. And standing there, you've got Stephen, loved by the church, full of the Spirit, called of God, loved by everybody, knowing truth, 
and you've got Saul, full of hatred, full of the law, despising Christians, thinking anyone who mentions Jesus is blasphemous. And you've got these two people. If you were doing a job interview for who's going to be the apostles to go to the Gentiles, you've got Stephen who would reach very high on every single thing you could put in an interview. He's got it all. And you've got Saul who you think you would not be choosing him. But God has chosen Saul to go to the Gentiles. But then this story is bookended by two Ananiases. There's Ananias the evil and Ananias the grace man. Ananias the evil is the pre-high priest and they give instructions to Saul to go to Damascus and persecute the Christians. And this persecute the Christians isn't just put them in jail, this is to kill. This is get rid of those who are preaching Jesus. Get rid of them. Shut them up. Stop it. We've got to come down hard. And so Paul is travelling with this commission to kill the Christians. And we know en route, on the road to Damascus, suddenly this man who's destined to kill the Christians meets Christ. And everything changes. Suddenly his man full of hatred and determination is suddenly changed to a man of love and grace and compassion and transformed. He has this amazing encounter with Jesus, which means he falls, he's blind, and he's led to a house. Probably confused, starting to have to think through everything that he's ever known, everything he's ever done. Suddenly he is there being confronted by what he has himself done. You know, when Jesus met with Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is a question saying, you have been. So when Saul is blind and is there waiting, he's probably thinking, what should we do to Stephen? What have I done? He could be wrecked full of guilt, thinking through the things that he has done, the things that he was planning to do. And then we're introduced to Ananias and we see him in Acts 9, verses 10. It says this. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he's seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. But I will show him how much suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to which you came, has sent me to say that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he rose and was baptised. And taking food, he was strengthened. 
Saul proclaimed Jesus in synagogues for some days and he was with the disciples at Damascus. And in Acts 22, he's mentioned again. Paul says this, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken by all of the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the voice from his mouth. For you will be my witness to everyone. And you've seen and heard. And, what, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptised and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So we have this incredible encounter. And we meet this man. All we know is a disciple of Anna, a disciple of Jesus. Now the church in Damascus was not a big church. It was a growing community, but it wasn't a big church. It was a small community. And we see Ananias. We don't know if he's a leader in the church. It doesn't say Ananias is the leader. It just says he's a disciple. He's part of the church. He's a member of the church. But he's a faithful member. And this is the only account we see. But boy, what an account to read. What a story to read of this incredible character. I ask you this question. Have any of you ever heard of Albert McKean? Albert McCain. Even let's call him properly. <laughs> Albert McCain. You wouldn't have heard of Albert McCain, but Albert, Albert McCain. Chips? No. <laughs> there was. I also know. No, Albert McCain. Albert McCain worked as a farmhand. He's a farmhand. And one day, he decided. He felt God say, "I want you to invite somebody to go and hear Pastor Ham." Great name, Pastor Ham. And so he went to the son of his employees and said, would you please come with me to the church meeting tonight to hear Pastor Han? And this man said, yes, I will go with you. And he went with him. And that night, this man gave his life to Jesus. And his name was Billy Graham. But this amazing character, Albert McCain, is one of the unsung heroes. Many of us don't really know his name. All he did was invite someone to come to church. But he was faithful. He did it. And as a result, many came to believe. For Ananias this night, he has a vision. And I love the vision because it's a very conversational vision. Do you know, what I love in this, in this vision is Ananias is obviously having a conversation with God in it. He's asking questions. He, he's proactive in it. So firstly, Ananias, here I am, Lord. I love that. Here I am, Lord. It's something interesting I've just been looking at this week of just the, the way God keeps calling us. Keeps calling us. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You know, from the Garden of Eden, even the point where sin is coming to the world, even the point where suddenly Adam and Eve hide themselves and God straight comes into the garden and says, where are you? Where are you? I know where you are. I know what you've done. But where are you? You know, and God says to Ananias, Ananias, here I am. And the first thing you see about Ananias as a, as a disciple is, he's a man open to God. When the call comes, here I am. And so firstly for all of us, it's this. When God calls your name, is your response, here I am. I'm here. I'm ready. What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm ready to do whatever you want. And then he says to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. Which, yeah, now to be honest... Have you ever seen Roman roads? 
<laughs> I think straight may have been a fairly common name. But anyway, there's a road in the back that's called straight. You know, you've got to sit there and think, there's a straight one, straight two, straight three, straight four, and there's straight. And he calls and goes, go to the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. Now, you can imagine Ananias is pointing. Okay, great, God's got something for me. That's another clap, isn't it? I've just blown it now. Totally blown it. That means half the sermon has now disappeared and everyone else is now going to get it from this point on. No, that's suddenly, Ananias, suddenly he's thinking, okay, I've got to go to this straight, think straight, Judas, Anatasis, Saul? Whoa, ho- hold on! Stop! 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 Didn't clap again. Stop! Something in the middle of, I was with you, go to the house, Go to the road, straight. Yeah, yeah. But Saul? And then there's this key bit that God puts in. He is praying. What God is saying at that point is, the season has changed. Saul, who came to persecute you, has Changed. The man I'm sending you to see is not the man who left Jerusalem. The man I'm sending you to see is a man who I have encountered and is changed. And you just see it, he is praying. And he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias comes in and lays his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, at this point, you're really grateful that Ananias is, is really does what God told him to do. Otherwise, God would have to find another Ananias. <laughs> but no, he knew what was going to happen. But Ananias answered, Lord, I love this. In the vision, he's having this conversation. Lord, I've heard from many people about this man. He's not nice. <laughs> he really isn't nice. If it's Saul, he's killing people. He's, I, don't want, I don't want to see him. He's, he's really horrible. And not only that, not only is he horrible and he's done horrible things, he's been sent to Damascus to do even more horrible things. He's out to get us. He's coming to get the disciples in Damascus. He's out to get the church. We're his victims. And I love the fact that God doesn't say, oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> but God says, go, for he is my chosen, chosen instrument of grace. You're going. Now what is remarkable here is that the actual name Ananias means, I've done that dramatically then, lost this place. Yeah. It is dramatic. God is gracious. They're brilliant. Ananias means God is gracious. God has chosen Saul to be his instrument of grace to the Gentiles. The one who he's called to lead him and to bring him into healing and to bring him to understand who Jesus is, is the one who's known as bringer of God. God is gracious, bringer of grace. And so... We see Ananias goes. 
this unsung hero. He goes, he goes and finds Saul. He walks in. And there must have been those moments as he's travelling. He goes to the house, knocks on the door. And there must, it's a very real story. Sometimes we can read Bible stories and not can take the emotion out of it. Here's something, Ananias, terrified, still terrified of Saul, but he's been faithful. He's thinking, well, I'm pretty sure I didn't make this up. Right? I didn't make this up. I, but he's all the time thinking, okay, there's the road straight. I know that one. Okay, here's Judas's house. Okay. Everything so far has matched the vision. Knock on the door. And there must be this sort of nervousness. And the door opens and he says, is there Saul here? Yes. And then we do the question, is he blind? <laughs> That's what I got. Is he blind? Yes. Oh, good. Suddenly he feels a bit more comfortable. You know, suddenly, yeah, yeah, this is matching up with what God said. And he walks in. And you can just imagine the emotion, all that's going on in him. And then he goes and he prays. And he just says, Saul's eyes open. It's like scales fall. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything about this is a spirit-filled encounter. Everything about it is, here is Ananias. All we know about him is he's a disciple of Jesus. He's open to the Holy Spirit. He's open to being prompted by the Holy Spirit. He goes, and as a result, he is used at this incredible moment where this man who's going to be impacting Gentiles for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation, writing vast parts of the New Testament, this man is about to be called by God, chosen by God, and Ananias, this one disciple, because of his faithfulness, is part of this story. Recently, Brother Andrew went to be with the Lord, and he wrote God's Smuggler. And in the conclusion to his book, Brother Andrew wrote this, says, challenges his readers, if God can use such a man as he, who had very little schooling, had a violent past, who after conversion didn't even complete a Bible school education, then he can use every single one of us. And he says this, he says, the greatest thing is the great adventure of being a Christian. We can make Christianity really dull. We're really good at it. We make it very safe, we make it very boring, we make it very dull. But we have a God who speaks. We have a God who's on an adventure. He has a God who actually has you to impact and be involved in people's lives. And be involved in seeing things happen. For Ananias' day, he visits Saul and is used. And the significance of Saul suddenly seeing is yet again confirmation to Saul that Jesus is God. Because in Isaiah, in chapter 35, verse 5, it says, The prophecy told of the day when the work of the Messiah would be proven by the blind seeing and the deaf hearing. Saul's sight is restored, and it was signed and approved to himself and Ananias that this was a work of God. There's nothing more amazing and more of a privilege than seeing God at work. There's nothing more dramatic than when suddenly you see God do something and it takes you by surprise. The other Sunday I was preaching in Carmarthen, and I can't think I mentioned this, but I was preaching there and there were these two visitors who, who weren't sure why they had come. They weren't sure why they'd come to church, but they'd come along because they felt like they wanted to, to be part of a community somehow. So they came along and at the start of the meeting, they clearly did not believe in God. They clearly didn't. 
Suddenly, some point during the meeting, they believed in God. At some point during the meeting, the truth of who Jesus was hit them both. And at the end, they both gave their life to Jesus. And the church is burning. There's a mountain that just comes through Jesus. And you're sitting there and you're listening. And you're having this I'm having a conversation with them and saying, at what point during the sermon did you kind of get it? And you suddenly realise it had nothing to do with the sermon. However much I preached and however good I thought I was, it had nothing to do with it. Just some point, Jesus revealed himself to them and they were like, oh, suddenly it made sense. And they said, well, that's a miracle. <laughs> you made those, don't you that? There's nothing more dramatic than seeing God at work. You know, we can't do it. We're not that good at sales play people. But God does. And suddenly Ananias, and all his nervousness, all his fear at that point goes and meets Saul. He's faithful, he's obedient, and has this incredible moment that Saul's testimony includes him. When Paul is talking later, he includes Ananias, this amazing servant. But there's something else that I find dramatic, and it's this. Paul then meets all the disciples in Damascus. Paul joins the church in Damascus. Paul goes and is preaching in the synagogue. That must have been a bit of a shock to them all. You know, the Jews are thinking, well, Paul's coming to kill, her, kill the Christians. And he's saying, Jesus is real. What? What's that listen? But actually, he meets the other disciples. How could that have happened? Only one way. Ananias introduced them to Paul. He went and the man they were fearing, the man they were hiding from, Ananias walks in and says, you know that Saul you've all been scared of? Can I introduce you to him? What are you doing, Ananias? What are you brought in for? You know, you idiot! You know, he went trying to hide from the man, not bring him in. No, well, here he is. Ananias, Saul, meet all the disciples you were coming to kill. Oh, nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done? He, the work of Ananias wasn't just to see Saul healed and to be filled with the Spirit, was to introduce him to the disciples. He brings him, and in the end, that community accepts Saul. It's just a little statement. But it's this. That is what the church should be. We should be a place where those who we thought would be unacceptable can be accepted. A place where the untouchable are touched. A place where those who communities and societies would say, we don't want them here, say, no, you are welcome here. And our role as disciples of Jesus is to meet people, make them feel welcomed and added into the community. That's what Ananias did. Now the truth is, we don't hear much more about Saul for 13 years till Barnabas comes on the scene and says, do you know who I want with me? <laughs> Saul, bring him here. I think he's going to be good. And brings him to join him. And actually, for that period of time, you think Saul is probably working through exactly what has happened. Also, I suspect, has been treated still with nervousness by many of the disciples and many of the believers. But Ananias has helped him be accepted in the church in Damascus. And that is amazing. So I just want to conclude with this. Small acts of obedience. 
that may sometimes feel contrary to reason can have massive significance in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Our perspective of life is so small. We've got such a small perspective of life. You know, I was doing a Bible study recently on 1 John and it says, you know, Father God lavishes his love upon us and calls us children of God. And that revelation changes everything. Suddenly that revelation gives us contact with the one who sees all time and space and all whole of history. And so for us, we have a very small perspective and suddenly a Saul can be a real threat and really scared of him and really fearful. In God's perspective, it's actually he's just part of my plan. He's got a bigger plan. And we need to be able to be people who are contacting God to see a bigger picture, not just our little perspective. And sometimes we need to see that things that we fear and difficulties that come our way can actually be Signals of God's blessing. What do I mean? Well, look, scarecrows. You think of scarecrows, right? In the field, you have a scarecrow. If the birds could work it out, it's the best advertising hoarding that they in existence. Because what's the scarecrow say? There's something worth eating here. It's really good. And I'm here to try and keep you away. But actually, if they worked it out, do you know what? That scarecrow is saying, if I go down on that field, I've got food. If I can work it out, hey, I'm okay. For us as Christians, sometimes obstacles come our way. Things that we fear, things that we think are difficult and don't fit what we want. If we actually see it like a scarecrow and realise sometimes it's the enemy putting something in front of us. says, so don't go this way. But if you do go that way, you realise there's blessing. For the birds, if they landed in the field, there's food. For us as Christians, if we say, do you know what, that obstacle, that thing, if we go through this, if we go through this fear, the other side of it is blessing. For Ananias, there was a moment where real fear hit him. And the fear was, Saul, he's going to kill us. But the moment he thought, but God has already worked, if I go through this, the other side of it is the blessing that Saul comes into the kingdom of God, that is sight is restored, that he's full of the spirit, he's baptised in water and he's accepted by the church and ultimately thousands and millions and millions are impacted by his ministry. Why? Because Ananias overcame fear. And so what for you and me? There are challenges, there are moments, there are little things that sometimes you think, I don't want to do that. You feel uncomfortable. But the other side of it is immense blessing. All God's looking for is obedient disciples who, when he speaks, will say, here I am, use me. Can we stand, please? Father, I thank you so much that the Bible is so real. I thank you, Lord, that it includes these stories of People that we only see a snippet, but what a story. Thank you for Ananias' obedience that night to your vision that you gave him. The obedience to say, here I am. Yeah, I'll go. And then he went and was used by you to see that man's life transformed. And as a result, our lives transformed. <laughs> Father, thank you for that moment. And Lord, I pray for us, Lord, that when things come our way, obstacles, and maybe sometimes you ask us to do something, you think, oh, that's a bit, a bit hard. I, no, I don't know about that. 
Lord, that we'd see if we go through that, there's blessing the other side. And so, Lord, I want to pray for us as a church. I pray for those who are watching online. I pray for those who are here. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be men and women who are open to you, obedient to you. And Lord, just as I shared at the start, Lord, for those who maybe are still living, but we had hoped, Lord, I pray, God, that you would come and hear our conversation and meet with us so that we can be used powerfully in your name. Amen.